Driving it along by Najum. Weehan volleys it to himself. Cuts to the inside. Weehan puts it in. And United has gone ahead 1-0. Chris Weehan opens the scoring in the first half of added extra time. And New Mexico United able to hunt down a ball in the box. Welcome to another episode, episode number 25, in fact, of We Are Seek and Strike podcast. Man, Alicia is my co-host, is joining me. Uh, man, what a goal by Chris Weehan. Um, what are you thinking after you, after you saw that uh, go in at the 101st minute? Oh, man, my initial reaction, I literally jumped up out of my chair and I was like, yes. And I put my fist in the air and my whole family was like, what is wrong with you? And I'm like, I'm watching the United. They're in the playoffs. And they're like, oh, okay. And I kept rewatching that goal and rewatching it. And I'm like, it's just, it just amazes me how bees can pull off any little move and just, you know, just flick it in the back of the net. Yeah. At, you know, Pins and needles is like, I guess, how I felt about that because it, it, you know, we hadn't seen anything all match. I mean, we went through a full, full 90 minutes and there were definitely a lot of close chances. And then, so when that goal is about to happen, when the sequence is there, I'm just like, oh my God, like, are we going to get this? And, you know, you wait a couple seconds after to make sure that it's not going to be called off or anything. And, it goes in and I'm just like, oh my gosh, this is so crazy right now. And, you know, and, and, and you're just thinking like, ah, now we got to hold on for like another 15, 20 minutes. And um, my gosh, yeah, that, that goal was amazing. I could keep watching it. Of course, that clip uh, came to us courtesy of San Antonio FC broadcasting team. We do thank you for that clip. Um, And uh, yeah, so as we kind of, kick into episode 25 uh really wanted to kind of start off a little bit um did you you so obviously you did not go to the somos unidos fest you were at home watching this one right yeah i was actually at home and i had a family event that i needed to attend so unfortunately i couldn't make it out to santa fe and also it was really far drive out there so I didn't get a chance to go. I was kind of bummed out about it. But after seeing, you know, the the clips and stuff, I mean, it seemed really, really cool. And whoever went out there that, you know, like, props to you because that, like, was, like, kind of like a once-in-a-lifetime thing, you know? Yeah, for sure. Well, um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't get to go out there either. I watched uh, the match at the ESPN radio st- uh, station. Um, however, I know that... You know, just in kind of seeing some of the little live videos here and there, um, it looked like a good time. You know, it looked like they had, you know, like it wasn't necessarily entirely packed out. Maybe, you know, people kind of, you know, went to that previous one. And, and this time they were like, oh, Santa Fe is a little bit further for us. Um, but nonetheless, still a good time. Uh, I know the Kirsch was out there and they were selling some unique merch. They had shot glasses. They had silicone cups. Um, and I know that there were some new, the new Jersey that we talked about the camo and, and some other stuff like that. Um, so it looked like 
a good time. I know that the broadcasters on ESPN kind of refer to uh, the events a little bit. Um, I think that's just really cool of the club to be creating um, events like that since you can't really have the tailgates. I mean, that's kind of a tailgate and then some, right? Yeah, definitely, because, you know, people still get in their cars and they have their grills and everyone's, like, still together, but, you know, not at the same time. Like, everyone's still separate, but they're still celebrating and they're still in that spirit as if it was a home game. And also, too, what I really liked about that is that they offered free flu shots to everyone who was there. And especially now with what's going on, I it's going to be a little bit more important to get the flu shot this year. So I really enjoyed that they did that. Yeah, that is definitely really cool and very, very thoughtful as well. Um, well, do you want to kind of get into this one? Uh, we can kind of kick off this, this uh, recap to the 1-0 United win uh, over San Antonio FC um, at Toyota Field. Um, I got to go there last year, and that is a very cool pitch, um, soccer-specific, of course. Um, I didn't realize when I was there, but, of course, that is owned by the Spurs, uh, the San Antonio Spurs uh, Entertainment Group or their management group. So they also – the Spurs also earn, own that team as well. Um, and – you know, it's a nice, it's a nice uh, stadium. Uh, good touch. Definitely, the supporters groups are cool. Um, I got to meet the Crocketeers. Um, there's another supporters group that just always escapes my mind for some reason because I, I think I talk mainly to the Crocketeers. Um, but they had tailgates. They were giving out free bratwurst, uh, free beverages. You know, whether alcoholic or not. You know, for whoever's there, and it was a good time. Definitely would be one to try to get to in 2021. Um, so then kind of kicking this off, both teams come out in a 3-4-3 formation. Um, this initially, my thought was that there weren't going to be many opportunities for either team to really have the extra man on the back line to kind of combo block. Um, it was definitely going to be kind of man up all the way through for the most part. Um, kind of going into the formation and who was on the, on the pitch. I mean, did you, was there any sort of surprise for you as far as who would be on the pitch, you know, in our lineup, we had bees, dev, Mondo, Suggs, Tanari, Guzman, Bruce, Yearwood, ride in Hamilton. Is that about what you expected or did you expect a different player in there? Um, I actually expected a cup. Like, I think it was two players. I expected that. I didn't think we we're going to make the starting lineup. Bruce was for sure. I was like, whoa, Bruce is starting. Like, this is something new. He usually comes off the bench. And the same with Hamilton. I know there's some matches where he did start, but with this one, I did not expect for Troy to put him out there right off of the bat. Well, and interesting enough, Tete wasn't on the bench as available for this one too. So, you know, I think you and I both kind of thought we would see Tete back there. Um, Hamilton was a nice kind of reprieve from like something that we had hadn't seen in a while. So that was, it was kind of nice to see like you know exactly what he what he would offer the back line. Um, I, I definitely could say this off the bat. I think Ryden definitely did have to really kind of you know direct him a little bit. Hey, this is where you need to be because you know obviously he hadn't been playing back there, right? And and that's cool. I mean. That just kind of shows off Ryden's uh, leadership. 
Yeah, that, that's really cool because even though he is new to the team this year and you expect, you know, probably uh, Suggs, if he was back there, to kind of lead the back line. But, you know, Kalen has really stepped up. This has really stepped up even being new to the team. He took that leadership role and everyone just kind of connects with him and it and it's working. So the fact that, you know, Sam wasn't getting mad or anything. He did take direction very well. And as David Carl was saying on the on the Chris Collins show, this was one of the best ma- matches for Sam Hamilton. And I was like, whoa, like, is is this really Sam playing right now? Because there were so many saves that Sam had. And I was I was shocked myself. Like, I didn't know he could pull that off. Yeah, definitely agree with you. Sam had a, had a big day. Um, and, and on that back line, we definitely needed it because San Antonio came out, uh, with all their heavy hitters really, uh, to start this one off. They had, uh, Louis Soloniak, uh, Christian Pirano and, uh, Jordan Peruza up front as their front three. And, um, and, and even with that, I mean, they had, there's a lot of pace up front, definitely some guys, um, that can fire from, from far away, um, you know, let alone getting up close, and, um, you know, what, what was something you kind of thought about San Antonio as it's going into the match? Um, you know, initially in, in, in things, I think about nine minutes in, Louis Saloniak, uh, he kind of got in behind two of our defenders in front of Cody. And, of course, they were able to, like, stop him from doing anything. But right there, that kind of showed me a little bit about the pace that, we, that they kind of were showcasing. Yeah, there were some very scary moments. And when he got behind those two defenders, I was like, the first thing that came to mind, I was like, do not foul him in the box. (laughs) Because any slight touch with these USRS, I'm like, it's going to be a penalty. And I was so worried about that. I didn't want to lose this playoff game to, you know, a sorry penalty, a weak penalty. And... I got scared, and also, too, it was just a very back-and-forth game, if you ask me. We had so many chances, and they did, too. They were kind of like El Paso in a sort of sense, where they just take shots, shots, and shots. They didn't have many shots on target as we did, and it's just funny to me if you go back and watch the game. As soon as Pirano got the ball, five of our five yellow players just swarm him, and he doesn't know what to do. And I'm like, thank you. We're finally defending like how we're supposed to be, even though it kind of leaves players uh, open. It's just better to have them have those players on somebody that you know can shoot and that can put them in the back of the net than, you know, the other ones. Because if he's surrounded, he can't really pass anywhere. Right. Well, and speaking of huge chances in the first half, two that really stuck out kind of happened about back to back um, at the, about the 25th minute uh, Mondo lets one rip from outside the 18, um, a laser of a shot that ultimately uh, Macrodoni saved. And then even like seconds later, uh, Jordan Perusa kind of returns the favor, blasting a shot at myself from outside. And I just thought right there, like we just saw, for one thing, I mean, we hadn't really seen Mondo like taking that many uh, those sort of shots. Like the, they haven't really been available for him, if you will. And then, of course, 
Perusa, I mean, you know, you, you get to see what he's capable of, and he put it right on the mark on Mizell. I mean, if he didn't jump, I think that was it. Yeah, it was it was a very scary shot, and it like you know, Amando shot it, and it was say it was saved, and I was like, damn, okay, well let's try again. And then they got it. It was like a very quick turnover to them, and I was like, oh my god, like this is this is going in, and you know, Cody barely got it, and I was like, oh my goodness. Did like, you feel his reaction like? When he got up, like it looked like he was like, "Holy shit!" <laughs> yeah, yeah, like even he was surprised as much as we were, and like the whole game, I was like, like my jaw was dropped by how amazing Cody did. And when we actually put when Bees put in the goal, I was scared because usually that's when we kind of like, you know, kind of back down, and then we give them a goal, and then it's tied, and we're like, so that was for nothing, really. But they did amazing, and, you know, Cody blew my mind with how well he played. I really liked his save, the the save of the match that New Mexico United put out. It was literally, um, you know, like a volleyball player. It, came, it was um, from the corner kick, and I believe someone headed it. I can't remember. And he literally just flicked it back with his hands over the net, and I was like, did he really just do that? And he did amazing. And just like Sam Hamilton, this was Cody's best match, in my opinion. Yeah, definitely. You're talking about a minute uh, 43 uh, PC uh, midfielder, Victor, uh, Victor PC. He takes a corner kick and he swings it in to Perusa, who is just a little bit outside the six. Perusa gets a head on it, definitely at a very like wide angle and it goes right towards uh Mizell at the top right underneath the post and he's able to just basically like set it over the top of the mm -hmm. net like you said kind of like a volleyball uh player move just to kind of get a quick set on it and uh and it goes over the top and 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 you're right that definitely has to be save of the year because if Mizell doesn't get up you know to me that's that's in the net there's just no way that's not um, and you know, that, that was a killer stop. I'm sure at this point, Perus is probably thinking, man, what do I got to do to get one in? Yeah. And I could see that too. If Cody like didn't get like, it was basically his fingertips in my, if the way I look at it, if he didn't get a centimeter of his fingertips on that ball, it was going in. And then when that play was happening, I was like, here we go. Like they're going to be up. We're out of the playoffs but it really surprised me that he saved that. Shout out to uh, goalkeeper coach Peter Davis because, I mean, he's definitely got our goalkeepers doing different drills, different uh, training, agility, I'm sure, like height height, uh, or the ability to get up. I, I'm not sure what exactly that would be called. Um, but I am sure that, like, even at this point, there are some things that maybe even wild uh, Peter Davis as far as things that Cody does like in the moment, but it, it was a hell of a save. Um, just before that, uh, tracking back, um, Daniel Bruce had had a, a kind of a bad giveaway to um, to Gallegos, mm -hmm. and it was or Jose Gallegos, and it was just outside 
of our 18. Um, it led to a shot on goal. Of course, Cody was able to stop it. Um, and then f- the following minute, Moreno was down the other end getting that bicycle kick from a service from Bruce. So it was kind of like I noticed like on the curse Collins show, I was like, well, you know, we've had a, we had a lot of bad giveaways. Bruce definitely, you know, I would probably tag him for a few of them. Um, but Bruce was also very like good about um, service into the ball as well. So I have to give him props on that, that service to Moreno because that bicycle kick was just like on point. Like, you know, I thought it could have gone in, but it, I know it was far over the top. Yeah, I saw that. And man, if he would have got that in, that would have been my favorite goal ever. You know, I love Sally's goal against um, Colorado Springs, but mm-hmm. if that would have went, went in, um, that would have taken it for me. But, you know, kind of to touch on Bruce, even though he did start, um, I kind of felt towards the end of the first half, he kind of was, you know, not playing well. I felt like he looked tired. Maybe he was nervous or, you know, he used up all his energy. He kind of doesn't really start. Um, I was kind of getting worried because he really did have some bad giveaways. And the fact that the defending, too, he was on some place, he was up a little too high. San San Antonio player kind of took the long ball and he had to rush back there. Or you saw Sam Hamilton kind of, you know, saving that. And it was getting kind of tough on Sam, too, because he can't really do everything. But I just don't think this was the best match for Bruce. Yeah, you know, the giveaways are hard because it's like, you know, any of those balls with a team with pace means like you have someone who's got like a front foot on it, has got a, a fast step. And and that was the only thing that I guess was really kind of sticking out to me in the first half was like, you know, we had some solid possession and we were able to, you know, move it around to find that next player. But when it came to like, some of these passes, it was like, okay, you can't just like, like set that out there. You know what I mean? Like you, and, and that was a lot of what we were seeing was just some, some balls that were getting away from us. And, and I think with, I mean, they were kind of saying that this team was brand new to the postseason, but I mean, we've been seeing them play it this way all year. This, these mistakes, the United couldn't really make. Yeah, no, I agree. And when in the second half, I believe coach took out Bruce for Najem, I believe that was a better um, substitution. And it seemed like it kind of worked better when Najem was in there. There wasn't that much of the giveaways anymore. They had more control of the ball. And, you know, Najem was a part of, you know, of making the Bees goal happen. So, you know, I just think Najem should have started but you know you got to give Bruce his chance because you don't know when someone walks on the pitch how they're going to play if they're going to have a bad game or they're going to have a hell of a night yeah and I mean like to to the point you made I mean things changed I mean Bruce kind of gave us more of a like a more of a defensive setting if you will I mean don't get me wrong he did of course you know he was able to, to get some good service into the box which I mean we needed that you know, we, we definitely don't get that a whole lot. I mean, usually it's Suggs or it's Weehan. So for for Bruce to be able to do it definitely allows us to have other players in 
who can possibly get ahead on it. Najm coming in definitely did give us a little bit more control. We didn't really see those giveaways as much. And like you said, we saw um, some contributing factors to, you know, kind of set up good positioning. Um, so then by this, by the halftime, uh, two interesting stats that I would, would point out to you, uh, knowing the way that the whole match fi finished, of course, but two interesting stats were that San Antonio had seven shots. Uh, New Mexico had five shots. Um, San Antonio had three shots on target and New Mexico had two shots on target. And the reason why this is interesting, while we're obviously going to be continuing the talk on this is that the way things would end up is that uh, San Antonio would have seven, 17 shots on the night with those three on target. So they really wouldn't have many more opportunities in the second half other than like the one we're about to talk about. And then New Mexico would have four more on target with five more shots to come. So they had a really positive, I guess, second half and or extra period, if you consider, you know, how things ended with them having 10 shots on the whole night and six on target. And that's through 120 minutes. So that's pretty crazy. Yeah, it, it really is. And, you know, it, the shots, the total shots of the night, they're obviously great, but you know what kind of counts is the shots on target because you know those are the ones that are, that are close to getting to the back of the net because if you shoot it out wide, it it's not going to matter. It's a shot, but it's not going to matter, but it's those shots on target that, you know, really come down to like percent-wise and, you know, this team had a 50% chance of getting the goal in the back of the net due to the shots on target but you know those stats they're they're great and you can tell that San Antonio is they were a pretty tough team and I can tell they they played good and they finished I believe was it like 10 3 and 1 for the season I can't remember but, uh let me see if I can pull that up um, San Antonio. They finished 10, three and three, oh, 10, on, three. The, on the season. They were seven. Oh, and one at home. Yeah. You know, see, and you, by that, you can tell they're a great team. They were undefeated for, I believe, seven or eight games and then uh, you know they had like a 11 they had an 11 game unbeaten streak Ele oh 11 games yeah and then you know el paso kind of took that away but it's still a great team we're playing against of course it's not somebody like like phoenix but it's still something that when we play against them it kind of prepares us and it just builds up even more as we go farther into the playoffs and like, oh, well, we can beat San Antonio. Well, let's take our mistakes from this and put it into the next game, and they're going to be even better. So with every game that we get, it's just going to be a learning experience. And from that, you know, fingers crossed, hopefully we get better and better, and we can pull off the win and, you know, make it to the Western Conference Finals and the U.S. Cup Finals. Right, right. It's looking, it's looking very interesting. You mentioned it. You make, you bring up a good point because it's looking interesting. I mean, you know, 
if you ask me if like hey like you know can we get past the first team i'm like yeah you know and then it's like now here's el paso and this is like a different el paso that we're eventually going to get right but i mean i guess the fact of the matter is that i i do think it's possible with this team right now and you know this this due to their chemistry as a team um and the fact that they've been on the road they have to have wanted it more San Antonio, like you said, wasn't a pushover. They definitely were a team with a lot of challenges. I mean, they brought a 3-4-3 as well. And not only were their front three dangerous, but even in their mid midfield, they were dangerous as well. Um, so that then let's go into like a very big moment in this in the second half. So so first off, um, minute 48. Armando Moreno gets a challenge on Christian Pirano, like a, a good slide tackle, in my opinion. Um, Mondo gets this card, like the yellow card, like right away. And I know there was a little deliberation on, as to, well, did he make a good tackle on the ball or did he get the car for like a little bit of his like embellishments, if you will? Yeah. At first I was like, well, what's going on? And I watched the replay and, and it looked like it kind of was mm, like like a dirty tackle. It wasn't all ball like the other ones that we've seen. And But, you know, I necessarily don't agree with the yellow. It should have been a warning. And But either way, Pirano and Moreno were going at it all night. They got in each other's faces. They were pushing and... It was a very, very intense game with not even with them playing. It's like playing with the ball. It's just the attitudes toward, towards each other. It's like, it, it, you know, like when Devin was knocked on the floor and the San Antonio player looked like he spit on him. Right. Which he didn't. He said, F you and F your, your <laughs> F hair. Your yeah, hair. So and. Nice. It just amazes me because there was a point in time where, like, the ref was getting card happy when everyone was in a group and San Antonio's, like, trying to fight and, like, we're going into it. And at that point, like, it wasn't a game anymore. Like, this was – I don't know what this was, but it was crazy. Like, I would expect this at the El Paso match. But then again, I'm scared because it's El Paso <laughs> and it's most likely going to get worse. Right, right. Yeah. So, yeah. So the the match gets crazy. But so at minute 50, uh, San Antonio is awarded a set piece just because uh, I believe Pirano gets fouled as the ball's going out. So he gets a so San Antonio gets a set piece. So PC takes the kick, which PC through the night, you know, is very, very uh pretty precise on his set pieces as far as where he puts them. Yeah. Him and Selenia, they did amazing. They were scary. When you got both of them together up in the front, oh, I, I was scared. Yeah, right. And so then, so this set piece is taken. Um, this is where uh, New Mexico, you know, lined up in a zonal uh, marking as well. And, and so from the very offset, um, Liam Doyle pushes off on Yearwood. Now, of course, everyone sees Devin Sandoval kind of stumble off of Yearwood 
And then, you know, of course, the ball hits the post and then eventually goes in. And everyone's thinking, well, okay, well, Sandoval got tripped by his own guy. But truth be known that the foul that they were calling was Liam Doyle having, like, more than a handful of Austin Yearwood's, like, shoulder or his jersey, like, in his hands. I mean, when they go back and show, like, the replays of it, and it's it's very clear that, like, that Yearwood is, like, like pretty much, like, underwater, if you will, like from pool analogy, he's just trying to get up. And it would have been an awesome goal because it definitely was a, a, a nice curler to get in there, but clear, clearly was a foul before the goal ever existed. Yeah, it there was a lot of fouls in that night, you know, and I just, it's the USL refs. I mean, in the end, sometimes they don't catch it or it looks like we're on sides and then they think we're off sides and it's just it's just a mess with them and i know we've been experiencing ever since last season our inaugural season you know how kind of bad these refs are are not getting some calls right right and so the game the the game continues and like you know obviously it's getting more physical at this point um like you, you mentioned it a moment ago with the, all the yellows. It's it's actually very amazing that the all of the yellows that are in this in this match. There was like six awarded to them and or and four awarded to to us. I believe that was what it came down to. It was some some split or actually take it back. It was. I think six, it was like six to us and six then to us and four to them. Yeah. Um. But those all managed to come. Obviously, in added extra time, this this be more of the desperation that it was still uh, nil nil on the board. Um, going through the rest of the second period, play was pretty constant. It was chippy. There were good passes, I thought, like made by both teams. Um, nothing really, as far as I'm concerned. Like the only there there was a couple moments that stuck out to me. Um, mainly I wanted to get your take on it though. Uh, one thing the broadcasters are really talking about it at minute 76 is they were talking about um, how they felt like United's possession was meaningless because they were trying to say that, you know, here they've got the ball for 60% of the, of the match and that they're not doing anything with it. And then they further on went with, well, the only thing that really matters is how much they've got it in the attacking half. And I wanted to get your reaction to that. Like, what were the what was the possession meaningless? Does it only come down to what's going on in the attacking half? I mean, what what was your take? And maybe you even answered it at that time. No, like when it comes to this, and when I was taught when I was playing, it's about possession. It's about making those little short passes, those little one twos that are built and keep building up and up and up on that, and going and creating chances and last year I remember I can't remember who we played against but it was the video where it kind of sounds like the Mario with the coins and it was pass 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 like you counted maybe like a good 15 passes before the goal came possession is not meaningless because it builds up if you take a shot from wherever you are it's most unlikely not going to go in Sure, it eventually will because, you know, probability or statistics or whatever. But building up little by little, that's what it is with soccer. You can't just 
sure there's going to be moments where you can go, but it's not go, go, go all the time. It's take your time, look who's open, look at the field and see what plays you can get. Because if you just pass to whoever you see next to you without putting your head up, it could be a bad giveaway and you're conceding a goal. Or and if you take your time, put your head up and maybe you thought, you know, Bruce on your right was open, but then you see Suggs all the way on the other side of the field, wide open. There you go, switch the field, and then now you have a point of attacking. And those commentators also made me mad because they do not know their rules, the substitution rules. I was like, geez, like, just shut up. Don't talk anymore. Yeah, it definitely got really hard to to listen to. uh, I think it was Dan Weiss and uh, I think it was Tim Hackinson maybe. Um, The the other gentleman, Hackinson, was a coach. I think he was – the old coach, in fact. Um, so it got kind of hard to listen to them because at some point it went from something as much as broadcasters kind of calling it down the middle, if you will, to uh, to, to mainly them just kind of, I don't know, like it, well, let's just call it, they were homering the, the broadcast. And, you, you know, of course, that's fine if you're a San Antonio fan because you want to listen to them and We've got at, uh, Adam Deal and Andy Hageman on, on ESPN, and you know, and you know, and the only reason why I listen to the, the natural broadcast as well as the ESPN, I kind of split them up here and there, um, is just to kind of hear some of the different factoids that are coming out on on San Antonio, and that kind of helps me to write. But nonetheless, it, they were just it was horrible, and uh, I think they were kind of giving up on the match because they were like, man, well, this is just going to come down to an error at this point and and um <laughs> and and they were i swear they were they were honestly like uh well hopefully this is the chance wait nope hopefully that's the chance and i was like man you guys are just hoping on a prayer right now because you know nothing is nothing is making a veil so speaking of like minute 81 then so Wehan gets what i think is his premonition goal right because at 81 uh, Weehan goes on a run, plays a little one-two, one-two with Devin Sandoval, um, gets the ball back and on the run takes a shot. The shot goes just wide of the post. It's kind of really the same shot that he eventually takes 20 minutes later, um, but it's like just wide of the post. Definitely would have been interesting if it had hit any part of the post. I think it may have gotten that lucky bounce and gone in. But it goes just just outside. Uh, at this point, I'm thinking Weehan is looking kind of fresh again at 81, and these guys are playing. You know, they're playing obviously towards a full 90. Yeah, I noticed that too. That towards the end, Weehan kind of started shining, and um, it would have been kind of better to me if Moreno and Weehan worked together because I know with them being the dynamic duo. It would have, we probably would have had a different score by that time, but you know, it still worked out. And I just, I really liked Weehan, and I kind of figured when we were doing the predictions that he was going to be a goal scorer. And you know, it just, it worked out. I wish he kind of, you know, was shining a little bit more in the beginning because we could have used that. 
but you know he did what he did in the end so yeah definitely definitely the rewatch was certainly fun uh if you're listening to this uh listeners um man if you haven't watched this match again you definitely gotta to, to pay yourself a mind on that one I, the first 30 minutes is just amazing in this match i think um for all the chances that were being created you know and we we obviously haven't touched on it. We, we we're not going to touch on every little one in this pod um because I, I want you to go back and and, and watch those yourself and, and hopefully you've got some comments on that um so really like the only other thing i would talk about um in here is is really the goal i mean we we get out of 90 minutes and there we have a little bit of a scare about i don't know 30 seconds before the whistle is, is called uh austin yearwood passes back to myzel and that ball is almost intercepted at the top of the 18 uh myzel is able to kick it out and ultimately we escape that the full time but ah, uh, that looks kind of that was almost going to be maybe something that San Antonio could have could have ran away with the match on. <laughs> that that goal that you know kind of went past well not goal but like the that shot that kind of went past Cody but then Kalen was there to save it. Somehow magically he appeared. I I saw that and I was like, what? Like we're already down. Like what is going on? I was like, and then I saw the score. I'm like, why hasn't it changed? And I watched it, and I kept watching. I was like, oh, it wasn't a goal. But, you know, from the camera angles, it looked like it crossed the line. Right. But then looking at how the San Antonio players reacted to that shot, they knew it didn't cross the line because no one celebrated. No one went to complain to the ref. They all kind of just held their heads. They, you know, they put their hands in a fist. They looked down, and... They went back because they knew it was a goal kick. And I was like, what is going on? Like, it looked like it crossed the line. But, you know, the San Antonio players were obviously there when it happened. They saw they saw what happened. And if they didn't complain or they didn't celebrate, it's for a reason. Right. And when the coach started to complain, and I'm like, if your players aren't doing anything about it it most likely nothing happened it was very close but nothing happened right right so we get into added time of course you know there's there's the confusion about the subs which we still had five on the night i still don't understand how we had five subs on the night that still kind of threw me for a while i know that we had the the three in regulation plus I believe a sub was taken at halftime. Um, and then, of course, there was the one and an added time, but we actually had two and added time. Um, they were like a, a minute apart. Was yeah, yeah. Parkston for Su- or Suggs. That was and, an interesting substitution. And then they took out Ten- Tenari. I can't remember. It was like Williams. I think, uh, let's see here. I can't remember. The sub that happened following, it was... Um, or was it... It was Suggs and Tanari, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Williams came in, and then Parks came in. Yeah. Um, yeah, those subs kind of uh, were interesting to me. 
I didn't expect them at all. Considering how we were doing, I didn't expect Troy to do like to do much with the subs. But you know, it it kind of did play out in the end. But I I would have liked for Tanari to stay, and Parks, you know. I wanted him in there. Like, I wanted him to have those chances and to see if he can get a goal. Because I know he's been trying to find the back of the net ever since he scored against Phoenix. But, you know, I kind of want to see more of him. Not right from the beginning, but maybe I would because usually Dev kind of works well as super sub. And we can get him fresh off of his feet and he can make things happen. So who knows what we can see against El Paso. Right, right. So then let's get to it because I mean, you know, it's 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 waiting for us. <laughs> one oh one, you know, as you heard at the top of the podcast, um, I'm calling that the Remember New Mexico because you know, I was thinking you know, we're in San Antonio and I was thinking about the Alamo and I, I got to thinking about how we had just kind of put in that shot you know and you remember the last time we played san antonio it was like five nil so it was like you know and it was in that stadium so to me i'm like bam remember new mexico we had nails what i call like he like it was like a pizza cutter he like just gets the ball in on an angle that no one can stop not even matthew cardoni can stop not even his beard could stop um <laughs> Weehan gets it in. Of course, he gets the pass from Najem, who got the cross from uh, Estrada. Weehan, the hacky sack champ, uh, gets it over to himself with a half volley, if that, and then puts it on the ground and just slices it in. Uh, everyone, of course, is calling for a handball. Some folks are even wild on the internet saying that it was blatantly and intentional. And I'm thinking to myself, and a lot of people have said, the defender had an opportunity to play the ball. It was not like it was a 1v1 situation. Um, that's a goal in my, in my mind. I'm not sitting here trying to go back and obviously try to determine if it was or wasn't. Um, after a hundred and some minutes, I'm like, that's a goal, and all the rest of y'all can, you know, at this point. Yeah, no, I rewatched that too, and it was an unintentional handball. I believe that's why the ref didn't call it. He, you know, as a player, you kind of have your elbows up here um, because at the same time you're defending, you're trying to catch your balance with your arms and taking a shot. It's it's very hard when you're right in the moment, all the pressure's on you, especially after 100 minutes. It's a long time to be playing. And, you know, props to these boys who did that because I – I couldn't. I could never play more than the 90 minutes that I'm that I'm asked to or the 90-some for the extra time. But it's just, it was unintentional. It was a goal. There's really nothing to complain about. It wasn't Asante punching the goal into the back of the net, but <laughs> it, it was a goal. So Yeah, it was a goal. And, you know, if you think about it, um, they had to hang on, really, for the rest of what, like a whole another half of a half, I mean, uh, or a half, another half, another 15-minute half after that break. Uh, San Antonio obviously got very desperate. Um, the fans got very desperate. 
you know, uh, you know, we saw Devin go down several times. I, I got concerned that he was going to come out, but I was glad that he was able to hang in. But Devin going a full 120 minutes, um, that that was really great to see. Um, and New Mexico pulling out the win. Chris Weehan, Bees coming back, you know, from scoring goals every match to this was to me this one he needed this one this this should hopefully spark him up again but your final reaction new mexico united wins one nil over san antonio fc um goes on to the semifinals and of course at that time we did not know who we were going to be facing um and we learned uh sometime after about the time that i was on the curse Collins show uh, that El Paso would end up beating FC Tulsa um, in uh, pens. They went through added time. They went through pens, and they would win in pens 4-2 four, four mm-hmm. um, and ultimately be advancing to the semifinals to host us in the seventh edition of the Derby Del Camino Real Derby. Right. Yeah, I I actually got a chance to, as soon as our game was over, you know, I quickly switched to the El Paso match because, you know, I was curious to see who we were going to play. And at least, like, when they went into the extra time, Tulsa was down a man. He got red carded. And I was like, oh, my God, like, what is going on? When I first tuned in at at our halftime, El Paso was up 1-0. And then after the game, I go and check, and I'm like, they're 2-2? Like, what did I miss? But it stayed like that the whole time. I'm proud of Tulsa, who was down a man, and they took it straight to penalties because at that point, it's El Paso uh, that needs to step up and be like, they're down a man. That means we're open a player. This is our chance to score. And, you know, Troy said it last year, when you're down a man, there's no excuse to not be scoring because you have an open player. You have more opportunities to do that. So there's really no excuse. And when the penalties came, I was was kind of rooting for Tulsa. I wanted to play them because I know how El Paso is. But at the same time, I was like, it would be really cool if we played El Paso. I was just kind of like 50-50, but I was leaning more towards Tulsa. And then the penalties came, and I was like, after the second one, Tulsa, I was like, yeah, you guys are done. (laughs) You know, I thought, hey, let's just go ahead and have Tulsa because that's a team we hadn't played. But to be honest, I think now looking at it, it makes sense to have El Paso. Like, why not just go through all the tough opponents because – to me, that's going to make it all the more worth it uh, on the way to to trying to get to the title game. And uh, and and so I was like, you know, at this point, the teams have seen each other so much that it's it's you know, what can you do? You know what I'm saying? So, um, so that's kind of how I, I thought about. It. I was like, well, let's just go ahead and take El Paso because it's going to be the Derby. Plus, we get to go to it, and that's what I. <laughs> was really, really wanting to happen out of it. Um, and then the other thing, too, um, is, you know, uh, it's just 
you you know on the internet you can never you can the banter is going to be oh well you guys didn't play us like you didn't play us so it's like all right well let's just go ahead and have that match now um the other matches that went on that night phoenix won you mentioned it earlier the son uh, Sol- solomon asante was i i believe he was trying to field or he was maybe trying to get ahead on a very low cross from santi Moore, and it was coming so fast at him that he probably thought that he was going to jerk his body using his hand hands as kind of a twist his body to get his head on it except he punches the ball so that means if he didn't punch it he probably would have got drilled in the ear or something like that <laughs> yeah probably like it was a really fast uh you know kind of like i guess it looked like it was a shot on goal but it was really fast and when you start going back and looking in slow motion he literally kind of like backhands it into the back of the goal and i'm like this isn't boxing like i get it you're you're sure but come on seriously i, I couldn't be- i couldn't be- i couldn't believe it but i could believe it at the same time and so phoenix goes on to win a very crazy one um, and and don't get me wrong, I'm not sitting here saying that they planned for that to happen. It definitely seemed very inadvertent and very like unintentional, but it was very reactionary, and it's just crazy that no one saw it, and it doesn't look in real time. It doesn't look like anything but a header. So Phoenix wins a wild one, one nil over um, Sacramento. Uh, Reno wins four one over. Uh, Los Dos, and so now the matches are set. We're playing El Paso Saturday at 7.30 at the SWAP. It's the seventh edition of the Derby Del Camino Real. And fifth time this season, and even Troy pointed out today on, or this today is Monday, uh, on ESPN Radio that it's the sixth time they've played considering also preseason. Oh, preseason. Where yeah. United won in preseason too. So, um, and then Phoenix is, is playing Reno, and that's a nice little rematch where things got a little salty earlier this season. So, definitely pulling for Reno. But if it's Phoenix, and our boy Ben, got a shout out to our boy Ben out there. That's right. Shout out to Ben Beery. Um, I, I pull for Reno in that if Phoenix gets yeah. through and we get through and it's Phoenix, and that just happens to be. New Mexico and Phoenix, and that's what it has to be. I mean, I'm totally fine for another one of those matches. Um, so then, just let me just ask you this: we have a, we have a couple minutes left before we we call it a, a show. Um, looking at El Paso, I mean, what are some of your thoughts for this match? I mean, they don't even have to be tactical thoughts; it could just totally be just you know expectations or or things you're you're looking forward to. Um, yeah. You know, some thoughts are, it kind of amazes me how not having Omar Salgado, the scores are completely different. It's like they just can't seem to connect to get into the back of the net because they relied on Salgado so much. And when, unfortunately, he tore his ACL, you noticed that, that they were kind of struggling. And... And other than that, I'm just, it's the set pieces that we're going to have to really work on, on covering. And that's pretty much it. It's 
the set pieces and maybe now that Salgado's not on the on the starting 11 or the 18 or whatever it's gonna be an, a really great opportunity for us to try and you know and win this well in addition to that i mean how stoked are you that you were able to get tickets when it seems like the waiting list was 1800 people in addition to the season ticket holders that got first dibs yeah that was that was interesting i honestly thought i wasn't gonna get any but you know luckily i did and you know like logan ketterer said we'll see you soon boys <laughs> yeah and, and and on that note um it it definitely <laughs> it definitely will get interesting um uh, so if you're listening, you're listening to this, uh, there'll be more coverage uh, as the week continues. Um, this obviously will do it for us as far as the recap of the San Antonio match. And we, we wanted to talk a little bit about some of the other matches. Obviously, we, we touched on it just briefly. Um, there will be another uh, another short mini pod. It might be more of a fireside chat with myself as Alicia has priorities during the week she's got a life um so i i may be doing a shorter one just to kind of play some of the post-match press conference audio from el paso and just kind of talking about some of the things that coach mark lowry would have to say or logan ketterer um so that'll definitely be kind of a interesting mini pod i doubt it goes longer than 20 minutes but something to look out for um, as well as kind of an article once the press conference this week happens, which will be on Wednesday, and then uh, and then quite possibly me and Alicia get back together uh, just to sp- speak specifically tact to yeah, tongue twister uh, just to, just to tactically speak on the United game and also looking back at the El Paso match as well, and and we'll be talking uh, to you more about that as we get later into the week. Um, as always, and for Alicia, you've been listening to We Are Seek and Strike podcast. This is episode 25. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time. You've been listening to We Are Seek and Strike podcast, brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network. Find more USL-related podcasts and written content at bgn.fm. To never miss new content, consider subscribing wherever you get your podcast. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review the episode. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at Seek and Strike Collective. Lastly, we'd like to thank our sponsors, Roughneck Scarves and Icarus FC. Roughneck Scarves, the official scarf supplier to MLS, USL, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. Tired of the same old uniforms and cookie cutter templates from Nike and Adidas? Looking for a unique, completely custom kit for your youth club, Sunday league squad, adult or even pro team? Icarus FC can help you create the kit of your dreams at an affordable price. Let them help you design your new custom kit today at IcarusFC.com.